Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God with one another for the good of others in the valley as it is in heaven. Well, episode three of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. Welcome I'm back. Adam. Yeah, I'm Matt. You're Matt. <laughs> We're here. We're going to talk about, we're actually going to just jump in from where we left off last time. So last time we talked about what is Rhythm Community Church. We started there and we ended with Jesus. We're going to start with Jesus. But the question is, who is Jesus? Matt? It's a beautiful question. It's Adam. a beautiful question. I think we should start with your journey of discovering Jesus. Oh, man. Okay. All right. We can start there. You know, it's interesting because... Often we start with who who is God, yeah. And you know, if I could be honest, um, which I should be on this podcast, all honesty here, um, I did not equate Jesus as God mm. uh, initially. Um, you know, growing up, being you know, sort of, I don't know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say forced to go to church, but just um, yeah, there might have been a little bit of force there, like. It was expected to go to church, uh, but that was that was later on in my in my life. It was like going from you know junior high to high school, that time period. So you know, for me growing up was um, there was these you know those paintings of Jesus on the wall, you know, seeing the long like flowing hair, yeah. sort of 60s style, like feathered back, you know, the white Jesus. Yeah, somehow a Middle Eastern man, is right? So and white. so it was like okay, that's a Seems like a good guy, like, you know, he's good looking and uh, he's probably really smart and we still talk about him today. So there's, there's that, he's, he's important. So yeah, I think for me, it was just, it was just that. It was just a guy that was a really, really good dude and a, a pretty good teacher. But I'll be honest with you, like learning his teachings was, I mean, it wasn't in the books for me. Like I didn't open up the Bible. I remember the first time actually I had, I actually got the Bible, the first Bible I was, I was given by my mom and dad. So March 31st, 2002. You're holding it up. Holding it up right here. That's awesome. Adam, mom and dad, there it is. And uh, I remember like, I mean, this is a pretty big hefty Bible. It's a study Bible, original NIV. And, um, and so I remember you know, talking with my dad about it, like, okay, so where do I start with this? He's like, oh, go to John, John chapter one. It's good wisdom, dad. It's good wisdom. Kev. So I, so I opened it up and dude, I kid you not, I've probably read John chapter one a hundred times. Oh yeah. And I still didn't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Wow. Hmm. What the heck does that mean? Right. You know, so I I was trying to figure it out. And every time I would get to that place of like, hey, you start here. I was like, who, who, who is Jesus? What is, what is the word? What, I, I just didn't understand it. Hmm. And I think going forward, it wasn't until I got to college. So, you know, I, I knew what I had to do, right? Like my, you know, we talked about baptism and, following these rules, right? Jesus is inviting us to like have eternity with him. And I didn't want to go to hell. 
know, I for sure knew that. So I knew like, okay, if I believed in Jesus, then some somehow like that whole, you know, raising your hand or confessing that and getting baptized would then just omit me from eternal damnation. Yeah, and so, that. yeah, nobody wants that, right? And so I was like, okay, well, I could do that. Um, but, you know, it didn't change my life at all. And, you know, I came out of the waters of baptism, the same Adam I was before, a punk kid that really didn't care about, you know, this relationship with, with Jesus or, or even what that meant. And, and so, um, you know, I went to, I went to Bible college because again, my parents were like, Hey, you should really consider this because you're going to like, just screw away your life Hmm. and, uh, you're making some really poor choices. So do this for a year and then you could do whatever you want. And it was through that experience that, you know, sitting in classes and, and more importantly than that, like more, more than just having this self-revelation of like knowledge, like this other content that was, um, uh, you know, I could hold against the tension of like my own version of Jesus. Like somebody else was describing this to me and walking it through, but it was a more than just professors in a classroom. It was people that like, like you and, and many other guys surrounding me and being able to shape and form, man, this is who Jesus is. He's not just a good guy. He's not just a guide like Yoda. <laughs> you know, he's not just a sage that has um, has something to offer in terms of intelligence, but he is actually Lord of all. And there's a response from that of giving your whole life to that. Hmm. Um, and so I did. And I wish I could say like, every day was this submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But um, I've had to really deconstruct my faith in a lot of different seasons where that wasn't the case. I, I would say that Jesus is Lord, but my, my life didn't actually reflect it. Hmm. And being a pastor in my former life, um, you know, I could do, I, I knew what to do to be successful at my job. But it didn't mean that Jesus was on the throne and it didn't mean that I actually believed that the Holy Spirit was within me, but I could still do the things I was asked to do. And so that really threw me through a tailspin for for a while uh, where, you know, man, I want to share this. Like my marriage was falling apart. Um, I was absent from my kids. And I was doing it all for the name of Jesus, but I wasn't doing it for Jesus at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that for me, I had to really just kind of scrape away a lot of that. And it wasn't, you know, it's been really honestly over the last year, year and a half, two years where I've had to take down a lot of the idols in my life. The you know, what people would say are really, really good things like going to church and like doing, you know, serving the poor and doing all these things that Jesus has asked us to do. Those were ultimates and Jesus was never ultimate. And so I had to really be able to walk through that tension to get to this place today where I I, I really feel like I'm more in tune with Jesus sitting on the throne, that he is Lord of all, and when I wake up in the morning, I, I still am a bonehead. 
everybody could attest to that. Um, but I think about that. Like it, it changes my life, changes my perspective, changes the way that I view my family and the people around me. That's beautiful, bro. I'm like, I was tearing up over here because I got to witness firsthand some of that transformation mm. in college. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that throughout your journey. I'm not sure you did this intentionally, but you mentioned a few ways that people get to know Jesus. You know, um, you started off with your mom and dad dragging you into a community of right. people that believe about Jesus. And I think that that is a way, a primary way in which we get to know who Jesus is through the body of Christ. How do we get to know the face of Jesus <laughs> through his body? And you also mentioned scripture. How, how do we really understand who Jesus is? Well, we start to soak in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. These are ordinary guys who told their story. This is my encounter with the living God, Jesus. And then you also just simply mentioned the spirit and the spirit can reveal him however the spirit wants to, mm-hmm. whether that be through inward conviction or dreams or visions or a prophetic word from some, the Holy Spirit can reveal him however he wants to, and he can blow in whatever direction he wants to. So I think that's beautiful, bro. I, I hope that's for anybody listening to this. I really hope it's helpful to hear somebody's journey because we're all on this journey of discovering Jesus and also what he's inviting us into. Absolutely. Well, let's pick up where we left off with that. Uh, so we left off with Jesus, yeah. talking a lot about who Jesus is, um, is there anything else you want to share just as far as who is Jesus clearly? So I, I do think that, I mean, it's important to mention that he's fully God and fully man. That's one of my all-time favorite theological terms. If you hang out with me very much, you're going to hear me say the hypostatic union mm. often. I, that was a what theological term coined a- to describe Jesus' full humanity as well as his full divinity. And that's important to understand God as Trinity, as three in one, because that means that he's a relational God. And if we are made in his image as relational beings, we start to understand who we really are based on who he is as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I, I want to say that. I want to say one of my favorite resources on who Jesus is. I've walked a lot of teenagers and adults through the book called The Good and Beautiful God, mm. where James Brian Smith just talks about, you want to know who God really is? You know, he's good and trustworthy and generous. He's loving. He's holy. I like that he puts those back to back. He's loving and he's holy. He's self-sacrificing. And he has the ability and the power to transform. So he just walks through, this is how God is revealed through the person of Jesus. And if you really want to know who God is, you can look at Jesus. Another thing that we'll talk about next week in the podcast is the Nicene Creed and the Cape Town Commitment. And those two documents talk a lot about who Jesus is and how we trust in Christ and obey him, but also proclaim him. So I don't want to spend too much time there, but I think those are two good resources for people if they're looking. Another one of my favorites is the Alpha series. There's actually an Alpha video on YouTube if you just Google Alpha, who is Jesus? Mm. And it is a 20-minute inspiring, um, man, it's just, it talks a lot about evidence of we can't say for ourselves, we don't get to determine for ourselves who Jesus is. He already proclaimed 
who he is. He revealed who he is. So we need to take him on his own terms, mm. not on our terms. So when we come to him and he says something like, hey, if you welcome me and you see me, well, then you welcome God the Father mm. and you welcome him. That's a bold statement. He, he's calling himself God. He says, I have, the, I have the ability to set people free. I have the ability to forgive other people's sins. I mean, he fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies, 29 of them in one day. <laughs> so, <That's good. laughs> like, this is stuff that people didn't make up. And if you follow the breadcrumbs, you don't have to make a leap of faith. You can take steps of faith. Hmm. There is valid evidence that Jesus backed up what he said, including, by the way, the biggest piece of evidence, which is his resurrection. His resurrection, which, you know, the tomb is absent. What are you going to do with a tomb that's not there? What are you going to do with over 500 people saying, I've seen this guy die and I seen, I've seen him risen? What do you do with that? Mm-hmm. What do you do with the fact that after the resurrection and the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples, there's a transformation that, you know, doubting Thomas and Peter, who is freaking out and locking himself in a room, is all of a sudden now willing to die upside down and be crucified. What do you do with that, with that transformation of those ordinary, unschooled men and women? And then lastly, what do you, what do, you do with 2.3 billion Christians today? Right. What do you do with that evidence of his resurrection? You got to do something. You can deny it. Um, you can accept it as a half-truth, or you can, like you, eventually say, I'm going to surrender my whole life to this. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to trust him and obey him and proclaim him. Gosh, that's huge, man. You know, when you were talking, I was thinking about um, Jesus proclaiming to be truth. And there's so many things that are fighting for that seat, yeah. that position of ultimate truth. Um, but I think the the biggest competitor of that is ourselves, that we, through a myriad of experiences and challenges and you know life, we ultimately proclaim to be the carrier of truth. And whenever somebody is saying, "No, I am this," yeah, not not believing in something else, but I am completely, absolutely truth. And then he goes on to say that that in that the truth will set you free. And so I want to—I just want to piggyback off of that and go into the rest of the what we're going to cover when we talk about what is Rhythm Community Church. It's about Jesus. It's focusing on Jesus. He is the ultimate truth. He is Lord of all. We're proclaiming that He is—he um, is God in the flesh. Whatever we're about, this is a long definition of what right. Rhythm Community Church is. But if somebody just mentioned Jesus. That would be enough for us. I mean, that we are a Jesus-centered community. We are obsessed with the person and the divinity of who God is mm. in the person of Jesus. And I believe from Genesis to Revelation, he is the climax. His life, his death, his resurrection is where the end of history, where revelation and the restoration of all things breaks into the middle of history in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And he cancels this, the curse you know, of sin and death, and then he inaugur- inaugurates a new kingdom come, mm-hmm. a freedom like you're talking about. And so mm-hmm. how do we take him up on his invitation to rest and recover our lives in him? I, I, I think that there are some things that we can do. I think that it requires our participation. I think when we talk about Rhythm Community Church, we wanna always say that, yes, this is a top-down, God-initiated reality, um, of his kingdom, 
But how we live into that, we have a we have a place in that kingdom. We have a participation responsibility. I love the word mm. cooperation. We can cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work to rest and recover our life. Even yeah. after, like you were saying earlier, even after our baptism, it's not a one-time decision. It's an ongoing surrender, an ongoing loving obedience trust of the living Christ through his Holy Spirit in us. See, it's interesting because I think when I think about Jesus's invitation, I don't, I don't think about uh, it's to rest and recover my life. I, I honestly, I think about it being outside of my life, like it's something other than my life. It's this invitation to be this spiritual being in heaven with him. And it's really the fact of like, again, like I said earlier about my story of not going to hell, you know, it's about keeping a bunch of rules here in fear of messing up and eventually being, you know, casted out. Like I didn't make the cut type of thing. And I think for me, in, in terms of how I view God, has definitely been that way before. Like it's, you know, growing up playing sports, it's like if you didn't put in the work, you didn't play the game. That's right. And so uh, I think I carry a lot of that with me still today of like, I got to do the work. I got to, I got to work for, for my keep, you know? And um, so, so let's unpack that a little bit in terms of resting and recovering. And then, and then going on, it says walking and working with Jesus on mission. None of that sounds restful. None of that sounds, mm. um, you know, it, it just doesn't sound like a, a very inviting thing to be a part of. It sounds like a lot of work for us. And then, and then we go on and say, and this is all from Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Um, we go on and say, as they learn, as we learn to live freely, again, that freedom word and lightly, and it's for the good of others. So let's unpack a, a couple of those phrases. You started to talk about resting and recovering your life. Anything you would say just specifically about that invitation and and the tension that maybe we, a lot of people are holding on to of, man, no, the invitation is to go with, with Jesus to heaven. Mm. And what we're saying is, no, the invitation is to rest and recover our life here today, mm. now. There has been, we've talked about this, there has been a serious reduction in, in the gospel. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean that in the truest sense. I don't, I don't even necessarily mean a distortion. So hear me on that before I get some nasty emails or texts from our friends. But a reduction of the gospel that somehow it's private and it's otherworldly and it's transactional. So those three things. It's private, it's for me. It's for me to get to heaven someday, to escape this earth, get to heaven, so it's otherworldly. And it's this transactional thing. I pray this prayer, I put my money in the slot machine, and God spits out my eternal life salvation so I don't have to go to hell anymore. Mm. Is that a part of the good news, the forgiveness for our personal soul that we can spend eternity with God? Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Is that all that the gospel is? No, definitely not. When you look at how Jesus describes the gospel, look in Mark chapter one, the first time he says, he said, man, the time is here. The kingdom has come. And he said, this is the proclamation of the good news. So that kingdom word taught, and, and later on, he teaches his disciples to pray, your kingdom come hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. So obviously on earth, it's a this worldly gospel, not just a future reality, but a present reality. So it's not just otherworldly, it's this worldly. And it's not just personal, 
not just personal, it's communal and cosmic. And that's hard for us to grasp as Americans because we do live in the most highly individual, the most highly individualistic society of all time. We think of ourselves as individual isolated beings, not even connected to the society around us, that we're just this floating object in the universe and we get to determine our own destiny. And it's, the gospel is bigger than just mm. our soul. It's cosmic. And last but not least, it's not just transactional, it is transformational. Mm. Here and now, we can become the kind of people that when we are offended, we easily forgive. We can become the kind of people that in trials, we may not be happy about it, but there's legit deep joy in the trial. We can become the kind of people where everybody else is anxious around us and we are overflowing peace to those around us who are anxious. We can become those kind of people through the gospel. Now, so when I think about resting and recovering our life, that's the invitation I see from Jesus is, let, let me get inside there, not, not outside in, but inside out transform you, starting with your desires, your heart, starting, and then your thoughts, renewing your thoughts, changing the way that you act, your body, changing mm. your community, society. Let me transform your entire soul and what you're all about. And let me give you the peace that I wanted to give you in the Garden of Eden thousands of years ago. Let me restore that now and may you be walking previews of the thing to come, the restoration of all things. Let's, let's walk around and let's demonstrate and embody and proclaim that Jesus is Lord today. Not in the future, he will be in the future too. But now, right now, he's the living Christ. Now, so when I think of recovery, that's what I think of. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I get excited about it, man. I think it's possible, <laughs> I do. Absolutely, and, and you know, it's, it's hard because we see so much destruction all around us. And unfortunately, we see destruction in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We see hatred in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We see racism in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We see, um, man, I, what we're going through right now as a country, um, I mean, it doesn't take much to look and see a bunch of Christians who are proclaiming Christ mm -hmm. not actually act like Christ. Right. And, you know, I was talking to a guy, I've had a number of these conversations, but where, hey, I still believe in Jesus, but I've given up on the church kind of <laughs> conversations. Like, hey, man, I still, I want that. I get that. But look around. Like, it's almost like, <laughs> you know, he was looking at me like, is your head in the sand? Because people are not looking like Jesus, man. Like, I see Jesus, I see what you're saying, I want that, but why is it not happening? So what, maybe for us, you know, just today, just as, as we pause, you know, it's November, what is the day? The 10th. Um, you know, we just ca came out of a week from today, the start of the election, and, um, and there's just a lot of tension. What's a word of encouragement for us when we see the church not actually living into her fullest potential the way that Jesus is describing here. How can we sit with that tension? I, I think one of the necessary disciplines for this season is lament. 
And by that, I mean, so look at the Psalms, look at the 150 prayers of the people of God and go back there and see how they lament and not complain. There's a difference. So complaining being I'm gushing my anxiety and my tension onto the people around me and there's toxicity coming out of my heart into my mouth and out onto other people or my actions. I'm typing something up on social media and it is offending other people because I'm offended so other people should be offended. So look at the difference in how the the kings and the prophets and you know just ordinary people interact with God in the Psalms. Instead of complaining to one another, they're lamenting vertically. They're hashing this thing out with God. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage in this tense season, if you feel that tension, don't numb it. Don't escape from it. Notice it. Observe it. Journal through. Why? Interact with the Holy Spirit in your, in your mind and in your body and say, why do I feel this way? Talk to one friend, by the way, face-to-face. Sit down and have a conversation and pray through it. Open scripture together and lament interact with God because in that interaction, I believe he transforms our anger into love. I think, and by the way, some of you out here are listening to this and you're not offended and there is no tension and you think the gospel has nothing to do with the political world and it does. Absolutely. And so for for those of you that are listening to this, you're like, well, I don't really care about it. I'm pretty apathetic. Well, I would say the opposite of love is apathy, not Mm -hmm. hate. So maybe there's something for you to lament about even personally and say, this isn't bothering maybe as much as it should be bothering Mm -hmm. me. This brokenness isn't breaking my heart. I don't have compassion for the world around me or people struggling. Well, that to me is just a big of an issue because the gospel is a public cosmic gospel. It's not privatized. It has to do with politics. So yeah, I would just say practice lament, do it in community and stick with it until you notice a transformational difference because God wants to do that. He wants to do that transformational work. Bro, that's so good. And that that really goes into the walking and working with Jesus on mission. Yes. As we learn to live freely and lightly and it's for the good of other people. It's not for us. It's not... You know, it, it, we do get transformed in the likeness of Jesus. And so we are, a bi- it's a byproduct of that. But man, it's, it's for the good of other people. So let's walk through that a bit in terms of what does that mean, walking and working with Jesus on mission? Walking with Jesus, we use the phrase unforced rhythms of grace. So one of the things that Adam and I would love to champion within Rhythm Community Church is that there are some classic disciplines, some classic training that we can enter into that Christians have entered into since the time of Christ. Like, even if you just look at the Sermon on the Mount, there's way more than this. I mean, there's at least 77 things because of Adele Calhoun's book, like the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. I know there's like 77 different ways we can cooperate, but there's three in, in the Sermon on the Mount, praying, giving, fasting. Even just those three walking with Jesus, though it, it means those three things. It means fasting at times. It means praying at times. It means giving. And it is about communion that leads to commission. It, mm-hmm. is, about, it is about this intimacy with God that then leads to uh, intimacy with other people, a restoration, a justice. And by justice, I mean putting things back together, things that are crooked, making them straight, things that are wrong, making them right. And, and so that intimacy then leads into restoration. So when I think about walking with Jesus, I think it's moment by moment. 
It's not dualistic, you know what I mean by that? It's not like mm-hmm. I do this sometimes and I don't do this other times. I would love it if people within our community, whether they're, you know, let's just say they're a firefighter, that as they're at work, they see that as walking with Jesus. When they're responding to a call or they're hanging out in the fire depot, like that they're just, they're with God in that moment. They're walking with him. They're almost living on uh, two mental levels where they're noticing what God is doing and noticing people around them in creation. And so they're attentive to both realities, God reality and how that's breaking into their everyday ordinary firehouse, mm-hmm. you know, and how the Holy Spirit is leading them. We talked about this last week, just the discipline of Holy Spirit, man, what are you up to? Jesus, what are you up to? Father, what are you up to? How can I join you in this? Jesus says in the gospels, he doesn't do anything he doesn't see the Father doing. He yeah. says, I don't say anything that I don't hear the Father saying, and I say it how he wants me to say it. People in the room, your tone matters, not just mm-hmm. what you say how you say it. And Mm -hmm. so when I think of walking with Jesus, I think about this interactive, ongoing, moment by moment, even as we fall asleep at night and wake up, walking with him in our everyday, ordinary lives. Yeah, dude. Gosh, that's good. And that ultimately leads to work. Yeah. Yeah, it leads to mission. And it's hard. And let me just read this because I was thinking about this this morning as we were talking about this. Because when we say freely and lightly, I've already had a couple of people come up to me and be like, hey, when you say that, I don't believe it <laughs> because I am walking with Jesus and the things around me are really heavy yeah. and really hard. And I look at the you know 12 apostles even and 11 of them were murdered yes. for their walk. So what do, you, what do you mean this is easy? And I even think about like Mark, if you go to Mark chapter six, where it says Jesus tries to get away with his disciples because they were so busy working that they didn't even have time to eat. Hmm. They didn't have time for a meal because ministry was so daunting. And as he gets away, by the way, that's Mark chapter six, he, he, somebody notices they're trying to get away and they chase after him and that's when he feeds the 5,000. <laughs> so he doesn't even get that rest and recovery, yeah. so to speak, that he's looking for. And so when I think of um, the tension here is we have to take Matthew 11 in context. You know, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. Yoke is something that you, you know, a wooden object, look it up on Google, that you put over an ox that he then does most of the work to plow the field, right? But you're still behind the ox and you're still working. There's still something for the farmer to do. So it's a work word. Let's be clear about that. Number two, with the yoke, I believe Jesus is talking about his rabbi yoke. Now that's a strange word, but comparatively to other rabbis. So in Jesus's day, rabbis looked at the Old Testament and the 613 laws, and they said, this is how I interpret these laws and how we can act them out faithfully, right? So that's why people ask Jesus questions like, what's the most important commandment? He says, All the commandments hang on these two things, love God and love people with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love God. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. All the law hangs on that. That's why they're asking him, what is your yoke? How do you interpret these things, Jesus? So when he says, my yoke is easy and light, I believe he's referring to the gospel that no longer is it a works-based righteousness. It is a Jesus-based righteousness. When he says, my yoke is easy and light, what he's saying is, I fulfilled all 613 laws. Mm. I am the righteous one. You are not meant to be good enough. 
I am good enough. And my righteousness can become your righteousness. As you abide in me, you start to become, by my spirit, like me and start to do the things supernaturally, naturally, as I would do them in your place. And you become fully Adam. And I become fully Matt in that place. Our identity is not just, hear me on this, it's not absorbed into Jesus and we just lose all personality. It's that our personality is redeemed and light shines into the darkest places and we become those people of salt and light. We become that city on a hill, that community that's a light to the nations. Hmm. Says this is what we're meant to be. So when I think of his yoke is easy and light, I think also of his statement like four chapters later or five chapters later, Matthew 16, where says, anybody who wants to come to me, has to die to themselves and lose their life. I mean, look at the, all the phrases of Jesus, all the sayings of Jesus. He never downplays the cost yeah, dude. of apprenticeship to him. He never downplays discipleship and how it requires everything, how we give it our all. But what he's saying is when you give me your all, I give you my all. Absolutely. You get all of my righteousness. You get, all, you get, you get everything thrown in. Um, that you were, you know, The word blessing we talked about last yeah. week, that you're now empowered to be who you're created to be. You're now empowered to do the things that you were supposed to do in the beginning. It's all by my Holy Spirit. This isn't, this isn't just on you anymore. My yoke includes my spirit and I'm gonna empower you to carry this out. It's so good, dude. Gosh, and there's so much to say about that. Um, a couple of things that come to my mind is one, our self-help na- nature, like in terms of our culture and how we pursue getting better as humans yeah. just falls so short of the ultimate in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a lot of us, it's like Jesus plus those other things. right? And we've tried to sort of create our own version of, yeah, I got Jesus down and, and I'll, I'll, I'll sprinkle the Bible in you know, some of these other things that are really important to me that I feel like are fulfilling, that I feel like I'm being a better human and doing these things. And and, I, and I'll say this, like, I think God can use some of those things, but they're not ultimate things. Mm-mm. And Jesus, and I've, I've learned this, man, like I've gone through this where I've read the Bible cover to cover several times. I've sat, you know, and, and looked at the teachings of Jesus, but I've also in seasons of my life said, ah, I just, I don't think it's working. I don't think it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken other things and tried to sprinkle it in or try to add to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's Jesus plus something else that's going to make me better. And really at the end of the day, to to your point, Jesus is saying, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. So it really is Jesus plus nothing mm-hmm. equals everything. Yeah. And I know that's a cute saying, but it's something that I'm reminded of every single day, like nothing more and nothing less that I all I have to do is fix my eyes on Jesus. And at the very end, Matthew 28, he says this extremely insane uh, phrase. He says, all authority that's been given to me is now given to you. And it's just everything that Jesus embodied. I mean, he, you know, he's, he says earlier than that, he says that you're going to do far more um, than what I could do. Um, and that... It, that just blows my mind. When you look at the miracles that Jesus did, you look at the things of which Jesus did, he's saying, I'm going to give all this authority to you now and go and make disciples. Go in my name, be an ambassador of the gospel. I like what Dallas Willard says. He says, there's no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. Hmm. And so he says that in regards to the Great Commission. 
um, because there's so much wrong with the world today. And like you're saying, like all authority in heaven and earth was given to Jesus. And then he commissions us, sends us out as his people with his power on his mission for the glory of God and the good of other people. And I just want to mention as we kind of shut this podcast down that it really is for the good of others. Like love means to will the good of others. Mm. And we we are about that. We are about community restoration. We are about cosmic restoration. We care about the things of this world because we know God cares about the things of this world. The story, the narrative that we live in is a restoration story. And we get to participate with that right now, right here, right now, whether you're driving, you're at the gym, you're listening to this at home, you get to be a part of that. That's the invitation of Jesus in Matthew 11. You know, come to me, all of you who are burned out on religion, all of you who are just sick and tired of the way that things are going in our world, come to me. And that to me is the essence of the gospel. Like Jesus came to us so we could come to him. Mm-hmm. That to me is the good news, that, that no longer is it us just climbing this mountain to get to God. He's come off the mountain and now he's walking with us on our path. Amen, dude. Let's end there. Thanks, dude. Appreciate yeah, it. Much love, dude. Peace. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.